0: A visitation Hear the spirit call
1: Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakubon Be blessed as you listen Thank you for open heavens. Thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us. Thank you for your strength that is made perfect even in the times of our weakness. We give you glory. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you put your hands together for the Lord? Can somebody help us sing? May that May free me, thou ask you.
0: Geniawaya, S
1: in God. Hallelujah. You can never stop working. God. Imagine God just decided to suspend 50% of the oxygen that we breathe. Uh, What a disaster that will be. You realize that the breathing you are breathing, you can't take it for granted. Hallelujah. The mere fact that you slept and woke up. We go to bed and we assume it is our right to wake up. Nobody went to bed yesterday thinking, I may not wake up. If you believe it is your right. But there's somebody who slept with the same mentality like you yesterday night. But as we are talking, the person is not counted among the living. We appreciate God for the gift of life. Hallelujah. Oh, if you are clapping, clap well. It's not only these thing that must make you clap. in the fact that you can sleep. Have you heard of insomnia before? And people are taking diazepam, lorazepam, every pump that is in the way. So that they can just close their eyes and sleep. But you cry. You wanted to wake up at 4am to pray. But you slept so much that you woke up at 6am. You sleep in class. You sleep in church. You sleep at work. All you need is a surface, whether horizontal or vertical, you shall turn it into sleep. Come on, put your hands together for the Lord. Hallelujah. God is good. God is good. Hallelujah. If I were a single, I would have turned this service into a Thanksgiving service. But, but I'm not there yet. Hallelujah. One of these, I'll surprise you. I I was shocking (laughs) people. Oh, God, (laughs) today I want to to preach to you on on something I've entitled The Dynamics of Spiritual Growth. The Dynamics of Spiritual Growth. Somebody say, The Dynamics of Spiritual Growth. Hallelujah. How many of you believe it is important to grow spiritually? How many of you believe it is important to grow spiritually? Hallelujah. Growth is the evidence of life. Anything that has life will grow. The evidence that when an egg is fertilized by a sperm, what is produced is life. Is the fact that if you leave that thing in the womb, it will grow. Once you take life out of something, it fails to grow, it stops growing. Amen. So those who argue that um you know those that they're pro abortion people, they say, Oh, if it is just uh, a sperm that has fertilized an egg, you, you don't have life yet. So if you destroy it, you've not destroyed a life. No. It's because it has life That if you leave it It will grow You take that life out It will stop growing Every human being If your life is taken out of you You stop growing Hallelujah And since you became born again You were birthed anew A new life Was started And because you have life You must grow Hallelujah You must grow Tell somebody you must grow Tell another person You must grow Amen Today, I'm going to show you the, the dynamics of spiritual growth. I'll show you the things that hinder people from growing spiritually, and then I'll go on to give you 10 signs of spiritual growth one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten signs of spiritual growth so that you, you use those things to measure yourself and see whether you are growing or not. Amen. And don't think those 10 things will be some very deep. Convoluted things, they are very, 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 very simple markets. Amen. God is not complicated like that, though. It's not complicated like that at all. Now, if you have a child who is born and by the age of five, the child is not speaking, it's a problem. It means there's something wrong with the child's developmental milestones so you start looking for pediatricians you start looking for pediatric neurologists and things like that, it is a problem when you go for weighing and constantly your child is below that line there is a problem sometimes they start investigating for diseases why is this child not growing in the same way, if you are born again and you are not growing at the rate you are supposed to grow it's supposed to be a cause for alarm It's supposed to to be worrying that some people, the scriptures they knew how to quote five years ago is the same. They've not added to it. They they, they, they can't quote any extra scriptures. You don't know anything else. You see, growth is adding on. Somebody say, adding on. You've grown in height because you've added on some height you've grown in weight because you've added on some weight, hallelujah adding on, so for you to grow you must add on, hallelujah add on to what you know add on to knowledge I want to show you certain things that or reasons why people don't grow reasons why people don't grow you see growth is driven by appetite, somebody say appetite the children who are constantly below the line in the, what do you call it? When they go for weighing, a lot of them, they don't have a healthy appetite. They don't like eating. You have to cajole them to eat. You have to sing for them. You have to play cartoons on your phone for them. You have to make faces for them. Eat one for mommy, eat one for daddy. You eat one and run around and you chase them. Before they eat, but those who like food <laughs> who wake up six times in the night to feed when they go for weighing every mother is like, Hey, what do you give to your child? Your child is looking nice, so the cheeks are nice. say I like the hair, blah blah blah. Meanwhile, the world doesn't like food, it's like it's as like, if they are begging the hair to grow. <laughs> one or two be isolated on the scalp but the one who likes food you see the hair nice and everything may your children have nice hair hallelujah it's because they have a healthy appetite if you block food you have anorexia you will not grow and the problem with a lot of people where spiritual growth is concerned is that they lack appetite Just like in the natural, when you lose appetite or you have anorexia, it is a sign of physical sickness. When you are clocking a patient, one of the things you ask, how is your eating like? The person says, oh, I've not eaten in four days. Hey, It means there's a problem. Four days, five, not eating. Are you fasting? No. There's a problem with anorexia. Just like anorexia is a sign of physical illness. Spiritual anorexia, lack of appetite, lack of hunger for spiritual things is a sign of spiritual sickness. When you're not eager to come to church, you're not eager to read the word, you're not eager to worship, you're not eager to pray. I'll be shocked if there are people here who were hoping we'll finish the worship early. Like, oh move to oh, you another, another song. Oh, let us sit down. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to dial your number So that you see where your, your state is If you were thinking that way You, you have a problem Hallelujah Meanwhile there were others who wish it will continue Like myself I wish the worship would continue Hallelujah The lack of appetite You are, you are not hungry enough Growth is driven by hunger Bible says, to the hungry soul, everything tastes sweet. When you're hungry, things that normally will not taste nice to you, it's like they become appetizing. Try fasting. I'm talking about proper fasting. Things that normally when you see, they don't attract you. Suddenly you see them and it's like, oh, this is heavenly food. (laughs) And then all the rationalization comes into your mind. You think about Daniel fasting, Zacchaeus fasting all of those things but hunger is what drives growth the bible says blessed is a man who hungers and tests for righteousness for they shall be filled." there is a test and a hunger for righteousness there is a test and a hunger for the things of god that there is a test and a hunger to know god more to, to see more of god and to experience more of god and i pray that god will create that hunger in your spirit today Every form of spiritual anorexia may be today in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You need to be hungry. You need to be hungry. And this spiritual anorexia is brought on by complacency. People get complacent. Oh, you experience God's born or you think you have arrived. You think where you are nobody has ever been there and so you become complacent oh for the first time I was able to pray for 30 minutes maybe for the past 5 years you've been doing 1 minute 1 minute and as you manage to graduate to 30 minutes oh I have arrived God (laughs) I'm there I'm there finally I'm there a lack of hunger Maybe I should do a survey right now. How many of you have read a Christian book within the last two months? A Christian book. Okay, let me see. How many people have read a Christian book within the last two months? How many people Christian book? I'm not talking about no. The Bible
0: exclusive.
1: Is <laughs> is not the Bible is not included in this one. How many of you have read a Christian book? I'm not talking about Richard that Water. That.
0: Christian
1: literature something on faith, something on prayer even marriage or something Christian based how many of you have read something Christian? Uh-huh. or your books your, your academic books and your career books and your things yeah, yeah, those words some people just finished exams so no time for this Let, let's put our hands together for our newly qualified doctors in the house we thank God for their lives congratulations congratulations Welcome to the hard world. (laughs) Anorexia, the lack of appetite. a lack of appetite. People get satisfied with so little. Oh, I become born again. I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit. I can pray in tongues. And that is it. Uh, You've not reached anywhere. You've not reached anywhere. Look at somebody like Paul. In fact, not just Paul. Most of those God used mightily in the Bible. Were people who were not satisfied with their state Some of them where they were with God If we had one quarter of that We would be like super excited If you had just one tenth of the experiences Paul had with God His depth of knowledge of the word The kind of revelations he had The things Paul wrote about They were things God literally dictated to him directly They were revelations The man went into the third heavens God literally told him things. That this, that, 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 This is what this means. Yet this man said, Brethren, I do not consider myself to have apprehended. But forgetting the things that are behind, I press on for the things that are ahead. You, you know this in 120th of Israel, you, you are behaving like you have apprehended. that <laughs> I have not apprehended. I leave those things that are behind and I press on. So if you can pray 30 minutes now, we thank God. But the 30 minutes, if ah, maybe you are coming at 30 minutes a month. <laughs> 30 minutes a month. If you are, if you are doing that thing, what is Satan will slap you for you to wake up. God himself doesn't have to wake up. It's Satan who will slap you and you wake up. 30 minutes a month. You are making the angels work over time. But we must aim at higher things. Hallelujah. There are higher heights and deeper depths in God. You see, modern day Christianity, a lot of it has been withered down into need-based Christianity. A lot of people go to church because of their needs. Because of what God can do for them. We are looking for things. we are looking for husband. We are looking for wife. We are looking for visa. We are looking for fruit of the womb. We are looking for financial breakthrough. And 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 unfortunately, a lot of people have presented Christ as an economic messiah. That was a mistake the Jews made. They were expecting a political and economic messiah. They were in hard political times the Romans were taking 40% tax of whatever they earn, And on top of them, that they had to pay 10% tax. So 10 plus 40, 50%. That means whatever you earn, half of it goes away. The people were suffering. And they were expecting a Messiah. For them, when they said the Messiah, they expected somebody who would come and lead them as a rebel against the Romans. To take the Romans out, to drive them out of Jewish land so that they can rule themselves and bring them economic freedom. And that is how the Jews missed it many years ago, and they have still missed it because they are still expecting that Messiah. Unfortunately, modern-day Christians, we are making the same mistake. We are only looking for God for the things He can do. You know, on Sunday we we, we did the seed sowing thing, right? On Monday, when the testimony started coming onto the church page, when people started giving testimonies, I spoke to uh, Elder Gina. She was like, "Hey, can if I..." As soon as the testimony started coming, I started receiving Momo alerts on the church phone. Because people are saying, hey, people are getting, they said they got double of what they gave, and suddenly let me send mine. Unfortunately, that is a sign of spiritual babyhood. Hallelujah. You are giving because you've seen that somebody has given. It's like we've reduced the giving to an investment. You give and you expect return. But you see, the mature believer moves. You see, the, the seed sowing. When you sow a seed, it means you're expecting a harvest. Right? But that's not the only form of giving. A higher form of giving is what I call the bent offering. Now when you give it to God, ashe as is bent. You are giving it to God because one, you want to honor God. Two, you respect God. Three, you love God. So It's just a show of love for God. It's a bent offering. When something is bent, you don't expect anything to come out of it. But interestingly, it is those bent offerings rather that provoke God more than anything. The Bible says Solomon gave a thousand bent offerings. That was when God himself descended and came down and gave him a blank check. And said, what do you want? Tell me what you want. And Solomon wisely chose wisdom. Our Christianity shouldn't be need-based. I'm sure there will be some people. They see that they sold. One week has passed. Hey, nobody has dashed me money. <laughs> <laughs> so, even this God cry. Buy <laughs> I've not seen any any breakthrough. But you see, the blessing of God is not just money. <laughs> you you don't know what things God has arranged in the future. One year from now, two years from now, three years from now, you don't know the things God has stopped from happening. You don't know the the ten rounds that have happened in the realm of the spirit. And we've Limited everything to financial blessings, but one thing remains God is not a liar, He is not a man that He will lie. Hallelujah! He's not a man that He will lie. He's not a man that He will lie. Lack of hunger, a cause of lack of spiritual growth. That is number one, number two it's having a wrong perception of where you've actually reached with God. And this one, it comes in two different forms. There's a group that esteems itself higher than it should It's like you see yourself higher than you're actually supposed to see yourself. Let's read um, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Romans chapter 12 verse 3. This is Paul speaking. He says, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt with each one a measure of faith. Paul is saying, don't think of yourself more highly than you should. There are a lot of Christians who have an bloated perception of themselves. Simply because of one or two experiences they've had. And certain gifts they are seeing in operation in their life. I believe in gifts. By God's grace, I walk in gifts. I don't despise gifts at all. I I honor gifts. I I appreciate gifts. I've told you here that by God's grace, all the nine gifts of the Spirit that the Bible talks about in in First Corinthians chapter 12, I've seen them in my life. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discernment of Spirit, diverse tongues, interpretation of tongues, prophecy the gift of faith, the working of miracles, healing, I've seen all nine in my life. So I don't despise gifts at all. But let me tell you something today. The presence of a gift in your life doesn't necessarily mean you are mature. You know you can get born again today. You'll get baptized in the Holy Ghost today, you speak in tongues and you prophesy today now. Doesn't mean you are mature. Let me show you something Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. The book of 1 Corinthians was a corrective book. He was writing it to correct certain errors in the church at Corinth. So the whole of the book of 1 Corinthians was one letter that he wrote to the church. And look at how he addressed the church in Corinth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. He said, I had to talk as though you belong to this world or as though you were infants in the Christian life. That means he's addressing people he considers as spiritual infants. People he doesn't consider as very mature people. That's how Paul saw the church occurring. That they, you are not up there yet. But when you read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. What does the Bible say there? You can give me the King James for that one. First Corinthians chapter 12. verse one. To the same people, because it's still First Corinthians. It's the same letter. He said, now, now he's talking to people he considers as spiritual babies. But when he came to, he said, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I will not have you ignorant. What he's trying to say is that, don't be ignorant when it comes to spiritual gifts. And he was talking to people he considered as babes. People you consider as not too mature. The point I'm trying to make is that the fact that you walk in a gift doesn't mean you are mature. you was calling them babies. By saying as for spiritual gifts, you must walk in it. You must not be ignorant. Hallelujah. I mean, you shouldn't be talking about spiritual gifts to people you consider as babes. The fact that you have a gift doesn't mean you are mature and so when people start seeing the expression and the manifestation of certain gifts in their life it makes them complacent it makes them not strive for more it makes them you know have an over bloated image of themselves and people are dying short of the potential they have simply because they get complacent as a result of gifts that they see in their life the fact that you have a gift doesn't mean you are mature you can still be a babe in God and have a gift. Hallelujah. Yes. The anointing is good. The anointing is a powerful thing. Gifts are powerful things. But you see, what shows maturity is not the gift, it's not necessarily giving the anointing. But there's something called the presence. Say the presence say the presence hallelujah is how much of the presence of god you carry you can be in a meeting somebody is operating with a gift but there's no presence how many of you have experienced that before you you can you can sense presence there's no presence you see the presence is a product of what you do behind the scenes before you come and stand in front of the people it's about how much of god you know it's about how intimate you are with god when nobody is watching that is what makes you a carrier of the presence There are people, they walk into a meeting. They've not even opened their mouth. Their presence alone changes the entire atmosphere. Careers of the presence of God. It's not just about the gift. It's not just about the gift. There are debts you can go to. No. Charles Finney went to places they didn't even open their mouths to preach and people were repenting and giving their lives to Christ. It's because they were literal carriers of the presence of God. I pray that you get to the point where you literally carry the presence of God. You go to your class and people will start repenting when you've not opened your mouth. You enter your office and people will start repenting. There was a man of God in the U.S. some time ago. He hardly ever came out in public because even when he steps out into a mall, he enters the mall and starts walking, and demons start screaming out of it. It's like anywhere he goes, confusion and chaos all around him because he was a mobile barrier of the presence of God. I pray that you aim for that in the name of Jesus. And that one is a result of what you do behind the scenes. How much time you spend with God. You see, there's something about spending time with God where some of his glory just wraps up on you. When somebody uses a very high quality perfume, if you go and hug the person, when you go home, your wife may say, you have gone to see some other woman. Why is it that this perfume is on you? If it is good perfume, it will wrap up on the person. In the same way, when you have had an intimate moment with God, there is something about God, there is a certain deposit that is left on you. When you move out of that presence, out of that place of intimacy with God, that thing follows you. That's what we call the presence. So somebody can sing with a gift and it is nice, it is powerful, but all it draws is applause. But somebody who sings with a gift and also carries the presence... Literally pulls you also into the presence and gets you to worship. It gets you to praise. It gets you into another realm altogether. Hallelujah. You can have a very eloquent person who will preach a message and it won't do anything to your spirit. Look, a lot of messages we preach in terms of delivery, there are people who are university lecturers and things who don't know God and they can present it better because they are naturally eloquent. Some of these politicians, they can talk. You see Barack Obama you imagine Obama preaching. <laughs> it's not just about the gift. There is something called the presence of God. Moses had the gift. He had a rod that could do so many things: open the Red Sea, do blah 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 blah. But when they were about to leave Egypt, he said, "God, if your presence does not go with us, we will not go." this is somebody who understands God to a certain depth he understands God to a certain
0: extent that
1: is not just about the gift it's, it's, it's not just about the ability there is a presence that goes with it a gift will give you results but the presence will give you impact when we talk about impact I'm talking about something that has a lasting effect on the person not that the person will come and get excited and by the time they've walked out of the gate they are the same as they came so somebody will give a testimony that on so so and so I came to the overflow worship center and after the service my life was never the same again and somebody will say at fire early 2012 I had an encounter with God and it turned my life around permanently that is what we call impact impact. Anybody who is into ministry, don't aim for results. Aim for impact. Where years after, the impact of what it is that God used you to do is still there for people to see. Somebody went to a town in England years back. He was looking for alcohol to buy. He searched every corner. Couldn't even get one thought of alcohol to buy. And he asked the people, what is this strange place that I can't even get alcohol to buy? What is the reason for it? They told him that 100 years ago, a man called John Wesley passed through this town. That is what we call impact. He passed through the town 100 years, a whole century before. And 100 years later, the impact was still there. I pray that you aim for impact and not just results. Because results can make you excited. Results will make the people excited. But impact is, is a lasting effect what it is that you go to do. May the Lord give you impactful ministries in the name of Jesus. Impact comes from the presence. How much of the presence of God you carry. How much of the presence of God you carry. So people have an over image of themselves. And then there are others too who have an underestimated impression of who they are. So, two different things. Those who are seeing themselves higher than they are supposed to see themselves. And those that are seeing themselves lower than they are supposed to see themselves. Let's see Hebrews chapter 5, from verse 12. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need somebody to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food.
0: This time,
1: somebody say by this time, tell somebody by this time. Look at the number of years you've been born again. Look at the number of years since you got baptized in the Holy Spirit. Can you count the number of sermons you've listened to since you became born again? You should be a walking Bible, you you should be a teacher of the word by now. You see, a lot of people go to church with the mentality of who oh, I'm going to receive to be blessed. But the end result of what you are listening to is that you should also be able to teach somebody hallelujah when you approach the word with this mentality you are able to imbibe it better those who are preachers when they listen to sermons they listen to it with a different ear from those who just listen for their own personal gain. as i'm preaching now there are some of you who are preachers Probably gotten a sermon out of a sentence that I said already. Because you are listening deeper. You are listening with the intent of also teaching somebody one day. Hallelujah. By now, you should be teachers. By now. And the devil puts it in our minds oh, we are so small. We are are not ready. We are this, this, this. Some people, they they have been getting ready for 20 years now. Every time we are getting ready, every time you are getting ready, every time you are getting ready. There are certain things you don't need to hear the audible voice of God to do, like to preach the word. We've already been commanded in the word of God. Preach the gospel. He didn't even say to every human, he said to every creature. I mean, dog, right? You can't cut the come, come, come. Let me preach the word to you. Preach the word to every creature. But you are waiting for some experience. You are waiting for some supernatural light to appear and a voice to appear from heaven to tell you to start preaching. When I say preaching, doesn't necessarily mean microphone. When we hear ministry, the first thing we think about is microphone and pulpit. You can preach to your friends in the hostel. You can preach to your neighbors at home. You can preach to your brother. You can preach to your sister. An underestimated view of themselves, you have received so much, there is so much in you. You, 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 if you are in this church, you 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 can't be a baby Christian. Hallelujah. If I list the topics of teachings we've had for this year alone, I don't even last year. Last year, we had some really good series, an 18-part series on the church alone. By now, you should understand the concept of the church, you should be at your fingertips sermon 1, 2, 3, 18 on just the church. You should be able to lecture in a Bible school on the subject of the church. Hallelujah. At the beginning of the year, during the COVID times, I did some eschatology things. Judgment. I did the rapture. I did things that by now you should have a clear understanding and you should have added your own personal revelation to the thing by now. So that if I even call you to come and give a remix of the sermon, yours will be better than mine. Hallelujah. Tell somebody, I know a lot. Tell person I know a lot. You you carry something. You are not an ordinary person. There is so much in you. There is so much in you. Don't despise yourself. Don't despise your youth. Don't let the, the devil give you a, 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 a watered-down image of yourself. There is a lot in you. There is a lot of impact that you can make. So one, lack of appetite. Two, having a wrong perception of, of who you are in Christ. Three, complacency. I was talking about the complacency in the lack of appetite already, so I'll leave that. Four, which is very important for me, is sense and weights. Somebody says sins and weights. By weight, I mean W-E-I-G-H-T. Weights. Hebrews chapter 12, we are told about the sins and weights that so easily entangle us. That means the weights are not sins. There are things we call weights. They are not sins, but they are weights. In Hebrews chapter 12, the Christian walk is likened to a race. And these things are weights that prevent you from being able to run fast. Can you imagine somebody going for 100 meters? Sprint. And you're wearing a with a crown, gold rings, gold chain. Is that a They call it know, in the sense You will drop last. You will not reach anywhere. Don't see the way the athletes? They are literally almost naked. It's because they want to get rid of all the weight so they can run fast and reach their destination. That's how the Christian walk is. There are things. That are weights, they are not necessarily sins, but they are weights, the they weigh you down and prevent you from running. Things like music, useless music. Ecclesiastes 7:5. It says songs of what? He says they are just weights, they just come to add, give you dead weight so that you can't run the race. There are some friends that are dead weight, they are weights in your life, and you need to get rid of them, you need to run away from them. They slow you down. And some of the ways in which they slow you down is, is that they are the ones who even give you an overbloated image of your spirituality. Because they are so down there, they make you feel like Charlie. I'm very spiritual. That's only when you talk to them about certain things, and they'll say, Oh, but this person is being that's worse. Wait. And then sins. Things that are actually in direct contravention of the word of God. Things that God has told us clearly don't do. Sins. You see, because we've misunderstood the whole subject of grace. Grace is a very powerful thing. We are saved by grace through faith. That is how we are saved. You are saved by grace through faith believing that you were supposed to have been punished for something and somebody called Jesus Christ came and took your punishment believing that is, is what, what, what saves you is by grace through faith alone, it's not by works but there are consequences for living in sin even after you have believed you, you, you can't tell me just because oh there is grace, I can live anyhow there are consequences for sin in the life of a believer, if you didn't know this, I'm telling you today if you sin today, there are consequences for it even though you are born again and you are saved, there are consequences some of the consequences, you will see them here on earth, some of the consequences it is on the judgment day, when there are awards being given and people are being commended, that is when you will see that I do Yahweh Some of the sins God will discipline you here on earth because God is our Father, and the Bible says, "He whom He loves, He chasteneth." God chastises the ones that He loves. You, you, you receive punishment here on earth for the mistakes that you make. There are some you decide I'll forgive you. There are others too you will suffer the consequences here on earth. Is one of the things sin does to the believer is that it numbs your ability to hear God telling you every day we need to hear god even as you are you'll be moving from church you need to hear god for you know there's some route you are not supposed to pass you need to be able to hear god but sin numbs us and prevents us from hearing god clearly so god will be warning you don't go here don't go there don't do this don't do it but because of sin you see what sin does is that it puts filth on your spirit man paul said Having therefore these promises, let us cleanse ourselves of every filthiness of the spirit and of the flesh, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. That means sin makes your spirit man filthy. And if the same spirit man is what God is going to speak to and it is filthy, it becomes numb to the voice of God. So we will make mistakes in life. We will take wrong things in life. We will associate with the wrong people in life. And people will even die prematurely. Because God is warning you, this structure, don't go and sit inside. But because of sin, you have coated your spirit man so much that it has lost its sensitivity to the voice of God. There are consequences to sin. God blesses us all the time. You see, we are like containers. God is constantly filling us with good things. May God fill you with good things. But sin is like a puncture at the bottom of the container. It causes you to leak out the good things that God is putting in your life. Sin can cause delays in the good things God wants to bring into your life. Sometimes the delays in our life is a sin. You are constantly saying, there's some blessing God wants to give you, but that besetting sin, that thing that you keep doing, it keeps causing a postponement of that blessing. There are consequences, there are effects of sin. There are some things you've been praying for for a long time. You attempt putting a stop to that besetting sin and see whether certain doors are not going to open. Ecclesiastes 10.8 says, If you break the hedge, the serpent will bite you. If you dig a hole, you'll fall into it. The devil is like the serpent. God has a protective hedge around us. We puncture the hedge through sin. When we saying? We are puncturing the hedge. And we are bringing the serpent in So all the spiritual warfare we do We bind, we do this, that, that, that Sin just gives the devil another way Back into our lives It's like a a foothold I've explained to you the imagery of a foothold Let's say somebody is chasing you You get to your house Hoping to enter into your house And close the door behind the enemy that is chasing you You close the door to enter And the enemy puts his foot in there Until that foot is removed You can never shut the door fully To the enemy And it's one of the things that besetting sins can do in your life. It is a foothold that always leaves a door open for the enemy to come into your life. All the time. Those of you who have relaxed about your weaknesses and relaxed about your besetting sins, today I'm charging you to get angry with them once again. I started to say amen. I said I'm charging you to get angry with your besetting sins once again. There are consequences for sin. There are consequences. And these things prevent us from growing spiritually. God is constantly putting it. There's no service you come to that you leave the sin. At least something is deposited in you. There's no time that hands have been laid upon your head that nothing happened to you. There's no time that oil has been poured upon your head. That, that, then why are we doing it? Why are we wasting our time? You stand on your feet, sir, Pastor, by the time... Services overcry or wasting your eyes you. Why would we waste time and do these things if there were no spiritual effect? You are filled, things are deposited into your life, but it's like that melting that has a hole under you. Constantly leak it out, constantly leak it out, and that hole is created by sin. May God give you the grace to overcome your weaknesses and the sins that so easily beset you. And when we talk about sin, we're not only talking about fornication, fornication, adultery. What well, is it's a sin that's what people think about you pride is also a sin hallelujah pride is a sin there are a lot of gifted people who have been entangled with the spirit of pride and pride will prevent any gifted person from moving to the next level because the bible says pride comes before a fall and humility comes before an elevation if because of your gift you are proud You have limited yourself. You have put the ceiling upon your your growth and how big you can become. Just like that. Pride. So since they block our sensitivity, they delay our blessings, it causes us to leak out the good things that God deposits into our life. Number five, surrounding yourself with the wrong people. Surrounding yourself with the wrong people. Surrounding yourself with ungodly people—people people who are constantly hallowing evil. Some people, when they meet, all they talk about girls. They talk about boys. They talk about their sexual conquests. Oh, this is, I finish. I finish. I clear. I clear. you are sitting in church and some people are talking about it. you're being cleared. and sometimes the guy says some funny names they give the girls true color it reveals things though <laughs> because true color how your name comes it means somebody has saved your name like that somewhere I don't know whether they've changed it but it's still like that. Somebody who was a, a, a secretary in one of the churches on campus, and she was calling me, and the name that came was New Catch. I mean, somebody has saved her number as New Catch. One time I was doing a, a, a tutorial for some students, medical students. And one of them was standing near me. I was showing them something under the microscope. And a call was coming in. And so I could see the name, how she had saved the name. Do you know the name you said, saved? One night stand. If if I'm lying, I'm standing behind the pupil. I'm telling you. She saved the person's name as one night stand. The, the phone was just by me, so I, I could see. Like One night stand. Some of you behind your back, they, they, they are calling you cowbell. Our milk. Isn't that what they say when they say cowbell? Our milk. <laughs> May nobody call you cowbell. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Wrong company, being with the wrong people. You know, your perception of what is good and what is bad can be can be shaped by the people you keep around you. That's I tell ministers: be careful who you call your friends in ministry. I've seen people whose principles have been crumbled down just because they surrounded themselves with one or two supposedly called brothers in ministry who had certain kinds of mentality. They just crumbled every principle they have known in this world and started believing all sorts of things. Wrong company. Wrong company includes, as I said, the people to who give you an overbloated image of yourself. Because they don't pray you. When you pray five minutes, you feel like Charlie. In the land of the blind, they say what? The one-eyed man is king. Wrong company also includes wrong church. I want to say, is there a wrong church? Yes, there's a wrong church for you. You see, everybody and where they've been made to thrive. There are some churches you put me in, even as a pastor, and it won't work. In spite of the fact that I know I'm called of God, i know i have the anointing of the holy spirit i'm not being proud you see when you say you are anointed you are not being proud <laughs> you see you have to be conscious of it so that you don't live your life anyhow hallelujah yeah, jesus said i am the way the truth he said the spirit of the lord is upon me you have to walk in that consciousness there are some churches you put me in even as a pastor and it won't work There are some churches, if you are transplanted from here and put in those churches, you will stop growing. Not because the church is bad, but it is just not meant for you. If you put me in a typical local church, I will struggle to minister because I don't minister well in tea. Even though I'm a gun, 110% God. I can't preach in God. I'll go for family gatherings and say oh so for prayer I pray in English I, I can't pray in God like, when I try it's like I'm now I now got born again it doesn't work so it will be very hard for me to pastor a church in Choco where I'm expected to minister in God the kind of songs they like are not the songs that I like. If go and raise you are Yahweh, I no, you are not
0: They
1: like the wole, wole, go ya elements, things. So there are places that are meant for you, but you see, sometimes traditions and customs, somebody say traditions and customs. Most of the time it's family traditions and customs. Oh, yeah, we want to, uh, sorry, women, yeah, we want to <laughs> yeah we want to no, sometimes you can understand why families are like that because some of the churches they are not actually churches. So if you know one that you believe you know that is tried and tested, Charlie, let's stay here ah, because people are doing all sorts of things and calling it church, family traditions. But you see, what you have to know is that on the judgment day, you won't stand there with your father and your mother. There's a place you can function. There's a place you can grow. There's a place where your ministry will be giving expression. And all of those things will go to determine how you even live in heaven. are some places you'll be there and you'll just be the same. Just because there's a tradition. This is where we go. This is where you were born wrong church so when I say wrong church I don't mean an occultic church I don't mean a church that is using evil power it could be a church but that is really not the place for you that is not the place for you their emphasis is not what grows you the things that excite them are not the things that excite you wrong company in every church every church must be balanced say balanced must be balanced. it must be a bit, a bit of everything you shouldn't be too skewed if you look at the kind of messages I preach they are very diverse very 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 diverse one moment I, I sound like a motivational speaker <laughs> another time I'm sounding like a teacher another time I'm sounding like an evangelist I'm sounding like you know this is, every church that is why churches must be open to all gifts to be given expression hallelujah all gifts must be given expression I was talking to somebody else, and I was like, I don't understand why pastors, fathers in ministry should get intimidated when sons are moving forward in ministry. When sons are showing their gifts. When God is using their sons. I I don't, honestly, I don't understand it. And I believe when you have that mentality, you are not even born again. As a father, your role is to raise sons raise people they don't necessarily have to work in exactly what you are working in they might work in something different but your role is to give them guidance because you are more experienced you work with God longer you can tell the person that no this didn't do it this way this way, this does not do it this way and it will work so churches must give people the chance to express their gifts of course through the right channels hallelujah through the right channels people must be given their chance it mustn't be a Saul and David kind of thing. Sometimes, you see, the problem is the, is the congregation members themselves. Saul and David, the problem was the women who were singing. If the women had kept quiet, David would have been in Saul's palace huh, until Saul would have handed him over the king. You take it. It's the women and the singing. If you want to praise David, sing and praise David. Why do you bring Saul has killed his thousands and David has killed 10,000? And these are the things some of the fathers cannot handle. And so they begin to persecute their own sons. But this church, no son will be persecuted. Hallelujah. Amen. I will fuel your gift. Lay hands so on you. Pour all yellow gallons of oil for the gift to be stirred up. For it to even work better. Amen. We need every gift in the ministry. We need every gift in the church. Then I come and I'm jealous of Pastor Deleuze because he can sing and pitch. I mean when I start low, Crawford I, I go and lock. I can't say you don't respect. I raise the song and he, he takes it up and sings his, it sings it better. Say so you don't you, you don't respect the anointing and to embarrass me. Ah, Pastor Gideon just wrote a book. I've not authored a book before. I forwarded it for him and I'm supporting him fully and you to support him because they are very good books hallelujah yeah i mean the time for me to write books is, is not it's not yet time everything you see when you know god eh, and you know his timetable you don't fret about certain things i know the time hasn't it will come very soon actually my facebook the series i'm preaching right now on the christian in the modern world will eventually become my very facebook it will be put together into my very facebook Doesn't suppress ministries. If you are in this church and I realize you have the gift. Because you see allowing people to express their gift. One of the things it does is that it keeps others on their toes. Yeah. If of their life begins to get complacent about the singing. And one day some new person comes and fires. You're like, oh Charlie, I'm sleeping. Oh, I have to pray more. I have to be in the presence more. Uh-huh. That's what we call iron sharpened iron. And so does the countenance of a man. Yeah one that gives somebody the chance to preach and the person fires and the pastor will be like Charlie we need to study more, we need to study more we need to study more, we We are provoking each other onto good things I mean not with a negative way that hey, you know, competition, no, 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 this church the spirit of competition has been banished from here long ago, hallelujah one of the things I like about my associate pastors is the fact that they are united in some churches it's not like that though the Associate pastors, there are always big rings among them. Everybody wants to be the favorite of the papa, so you go and backbite and this and this and that and that, and that and that and that. But these people, I fear their unity more than and sometimes. I wonder if I'm safe if they decide to come together. I don't stand a chance. <laughs> I don't stand a chance. Hallelujah! A church must give room for all gifts. I pray that your gift will begin to show in this church may the lord stir up your gift in this church you will not die with that gift not having been expressed and for it not have been put to the use of the body of christ having said that as you grow spiritually grow in your gift as well grow in your gift you can not be doing the same thing for five years there must be some value added if it's preaching, you must you must preach at a different level. If it is singing, ministering through song, it must be at a different level. If it is, you are an instrumentalist, it should be at a different level. Even if you are an usher, you must do it with more finesse, more grace, and more anointing. Everything in the church must be done in the spirit. Too. Even ushering must be done in the spirit. Because look, sometimes when God opens your eyes in a meeting, all the sitting positions are not the same that people who by god's orchestration must sit in specific places and it's up to the usher to be in the spirit enough to direct them to the left and not the right i know what i'm saying it sounds funny but me i know what i'm talking about that times i get visions of previews into major meetings and god shows me specifically where somebody is supposed to sit specifically there was one time the usher missed and put the person on the wrong seat specific if it is on the left third to the left I sometimes I see it clear like that so there's, there's no coincidence in the house of God everything happens for a purpose and everything must be done in the spirit hallelujah why have I deviated and I'm talking about other things <laughs> the last course the last course of the lack of spiritual growth is the lack of purpose. Well, you don't have purpose. You just come to church. You just worship God. There is no end in sight for you. There is no motivation to grow. If you know I have a ministry to teach the word, I have a ministry of prayer, I have a ministry of praise and worship. There is something that is ahead of you, and it gives you a cause to want to grow is why serving in the house of god is important when you are just there you will not grow the motivation to grow is not there that stimulus to grow is not there but when there is a purpose when there is a reason sometimes as preachers we don't feel like praying you but because of you we have to pray sometimes it's the fact that you are a minister that even prevents you from doing certain things me that now facebook people are watching me This and and then i'm going to chase some girl in some corner you go start talking no ah you the one who was preaching about remember hey remember remember i watched it and your enemy was important like that that alone is a check (laughs) hallelujah yes serving god comes with its benefit the benefits are not just material and it also puts you in check the way everybody knows me, Dr. Lesson in Colibu, you think I can go and chase a student? I can go and chase and say, hey, come, 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 come. Don't tell anybody. <laughs> I can't. It is a check. May God give you a purpose and show you the reason why you are in His house. Now, let me just go through quickly 10 signs of spiritual growth. 10. I'll be done in the next 10 minutes. One minute for each. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 12, 9 to 15. Let's read through it. All of the 10, I'm getting them out of Romans chapter 12, verse 9 to 15. Romans 12, 9 to 15. So it's giving us certain characteristics. And I believe these things show that you are maturing in God. You are growing in God. It said, Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love. In honor, giving preference to one another. Verse 11. Is that not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Verse 12. It says, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer. Verse 13 distributing to the needs of the saints giving to hospitality verse 14 bless those who persecute you bless and do not curse verse 15 rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep hallelujah out of this portion of scripture i pulled out 10 things that are characteristics of spiritual growth things that will show that you are maturing one Increase in your ability to love without a secret motive. Hallelujah! Oh, Hallelujah! I know somebody who went on a five-day raw fast, and his only prayer was, "God, increase my love." Is it that? That's so. If you fast for five days, it's because the witches in your family—you have been dreaming that some old lady is tapping your head with that thing we used to make banqu. That is what will move you to fast five days. Fire, eh, fire, eh, fire, eh, fire, hey, eh, fire. But somebody five days old, all his brain is that God increase my love for people. <laughs> Your ability to love people without any motives. Any funny motives be, be, behind. Some people they show sure they care about you only when they need something from you. When they know you can help them in one way or the other. But may God give us unfeigned love. Uncontaminated love. Where we love people genuinely. So that is number one. Number two is when you hate what is evil and you love what is good. Then you know you are growing. There should be no debate in your mind as to whether homosexuality is good or bad. The Bible has stated it clearly. It is wrong. There should be no debate in your mind. You shouldn't even be seeing trying to aim. So abortion cry. is it this or that, that, that you hate what is evil and you love that which is good. It's a sign that you are growing. Amen. Number three. Being devoted in love. Being devoted in love. Some people love but they are not devoted in their love. Seasonal friends. Some people don't have permanent friends. They only have permanent interests. Being devoted in love. Number four. Having passion, zeal, and fervor. How you pray determines whether you have fervor or not. It's from that word that we got the word fervent. It means you are growing. The Bible says the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. Prayer is not supposed to be dull. It's supposed to be red hot and boiling. The word fervent means red hot and boiling. That is how you must pray. Pray fervently. If you want your prayers to avail much, you want your prayers to break through, you must pray fervently, passionately. You must be passionate in worship. When you feel like lying down, you lie down. When you want to lift up your hand, lift up your hand. Unfortunately, some people also see some of those things as a sign of immaturity. Why should you cry when you are worshiping? It is baby Christians who do that. Why should you fall down when the Holy Ghost comes upon you? You will grow out of it. But sometimes it's actually a sign that you are backsliding. Hallelujah. Uh, your sensitivity to the Holy Ghost has gone down completely. But you see, having said that, let's know that God deals with all of us in different ways. And we all respond to God in different ways. Hallelujah. Yeah, the fact that you have not fallen down before doesn't mean God hasn't touched you before. That some people all they have is goose pimples. That is their falling down. Some people they'll just feel joy in their heart. There are some people they feel a like tingling sensation, so there are different ways. One of these days, I'll preach to you on supernatural encounters and I'll show you different ways in which God manifests Himself to people. And you realize that God has touched you so many times But you were waiting for that falling, that rolling, that screaming for you to know that ah, indeed God was in the house. Number five, serving the Lord when you are there, you don't serve the Lord. There's a difference between worshipping God and serving him. When Lucifer met Jesus, he came to tempt him. Jesus made a certain statement. He said, Thou shalt worship the Lord your God, and him only shalt thou serve." So there's a difference between worshipping God and serving God. There are many people in church who are worshipping God. They are worshippers, but they are not serving. They are not doing anything in the house of God this place was arranged by some people and i'll always celebrate those people hallelujah yeah saturday by 5 p.m they are here they arrange these chairs they wipe the floor they do and look carrying these things is not easy when we close they have to undo all of these things and then send them where they are supposed to be sent so while by 12 12 30 We are closing here. Most of them get home around 4.30, 5.30. Let's put our hands together for those who sacrifice to serve God in this way. 4.30, 5.30. I see, they do it with a lot of joy. It wouldn't have been so if we had our own building. All these things would have been permanent. No need to pull them down. But God will look at the labor of those people and give us a breakthrough. Hallelujah so that we will own our own property and own our own magnificent building to the glorification of his name. Amen. Our church building will be powerful. You know, we, we don't like mediocrity. We like excellence. When you come there, you forget all your problems because the beauty of the place alone is therapeutic. Hallelujah. The sound will be crisp and clear. We'll have our own recording studio because as for songs, we will record some. Overflow music is to the world, though. Like our Hillsong and Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. Oh, I'm prophesying. Hill Hillsong and Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir are worldwide renowned singing ministries. Overflow I don't know whether it will still be called overflow music by then. But whatever it is called, it is going to be a global brand. Cambodia, say a global brand. Say a global brand. When you enter our children's service section of our building, eh? Oh my God. Different sections and, you know, our children's ministry will be one of the biggest in this country. Yeah, they they will also be a global brand. Have you heard of, um, what do you call, Proclaim Kids? Go and look for them on YouTube. A powerful children's ministry. Uh Aha, those are the levels God is taking our children. A global brand making impact. On children what else everybody in the church nobody will be poor in the church hallelujah oh it is possible because the Bible said in Acts He said and there was none that lacked amongst them it is possible to have a church where there's no poor person because when you see an opportunity you sit and think ah, I think this person can benefit you roll the person in quickly as I'm sitting down every time eh, anytime some things come I start thinking of people in the church no this person can do this this person can do this, this person can do that and if we have that kind of mentality we'll come to a point where all of us are at an appreciable level in life hallelujah Yeah. if god permits cry we will own a city oh you don't believe it <laughs> a whole city and you are my neighbor i'm your neighbor and uh, we have a headquarters magnificent. So church, you just wake up and you go. There's no excuse like I didn't get a car. Or we are we are in the same place. A well-run city where your rubbish will be taken on time. Where there will be no doomsday because of your be generator that serves the whole community. When ECG decides to misbehave, our generator will take over. Hallelujah! With a world class hospital where some of you will be working and and exhibiting your skills oh the vision is big old. that's why i say if you give me 15 million dollars today by tomorrow it will be finished a world-class secondary school there'll be no gays there no lesbians there no weed smoking there hundred percent tongue-talking children spirit-filled children who are being prepared not only for the job market but for the ministry field as well when you take your child to that school you can have your peace of mind and know that nobody is spoiling the child the child is coming back full of the holy ghost and full of power number six is be faithful in prayer it's a sign that you are growing when you are faithful in prayer faithful in prayer means you are consistent it's not today, pray tomorrow. I don't pray next day. This, or you pray only when you are in need. Or you pray only when exams are coming. Exam prayer meetings are some of the nicest prayer meetings. What? People pray and you feel like praying. Say so the Lord shall come through for you. Amen. Success is your portion. Amen. Favor is your portion. Amen. It's very nice. But to show that you are growing spiritually, you must be faithful in prayer. Your personal prayer life is even more important than the corporate prayer times where you engage God one-on-one. You see, there are too many things to pray about. and One hour should be too small for you. Yeah. It's because we don't structure our prayer time. If you decide, I'm using 10 minutes to pray about school, 10 minutes, family, 10 minutes, church, You identify specific people. I'm interceding for this person, this person. And then your own personal needs come. And then you would have done like 15 minutes of worship already. One hour would just come like that. And as I've told you, praying is easier when you are praying with music. Music that moves you. Everybody has some 10, 15 songs beat. That those ones, it doesn't matter who is singing them. The songs always do it for you. Make a playlist of those songs and pray with them you realize that a woman if it's 15 songs each song will be five six minutes one hour will come and pass and you even realize that it has come to pass and you have spent time praying that's how to to make your prayer life nicer easier and then you graduate to two hours you graduate to three hours four hours i'm still aiming at praying 24 hours continuous the longest i've done is 16 hours but one of these days i'm going to go for a retreat I'll disappear for some two weeks. So, pastors, I'm telling you beforehand. For some two weeks, I'll be I'll be awake. And during that time, I will break that record and do it 24 hours. Now, when I come and I breathe on you, your destiny will change. <laughs> your, your life will change. Hallelujah. Yeah. What's the longest number of days you fasted? So if you've done half, half half, 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 half sir, like four days. Have they like, 6 to 12, six to 12. In the 6 to 12. You eat at 5. You woke up to eat at 5. Now, when you are doing Ramadan, <laughs> it's Ramadan fasting, Oh no. <laughs> You eat at 5, and then 12 o'clock, you break the fast. There are higher highs, and there are deeper depths. I want you to come and give a testimony one day, and you say, Jesus walked into my room. I saw Jesus face to face. I saw Jesus face to face. That was one of the things Moses craved. That Lord, show me your glory. Upon all the things he had experienced, he wanted to see the glory of God. I pray that your heart's desire will be for things that are higher in the realm of the spirit. Faithful in prayer. Sharing your resources and practicing hospitality. You see, sometimes when people have the mentality of, oh, it's just me, myself, and I. Spiritually mature people are hospitable. They open their homes. You can't be a pastor and say, My life is me, myself, my children, and my no, 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 no. You're a shepherd, your house must be open to people, and it takes spiritual maturity to be able to do that. It takes spiritual maturity. God matures you to the point where you enjoy even being hospitable to people, you enjoy it. It's, it's not a chore, it's not difficult. Sharing your resources. My wife and I, we are recently, she needed to buy something for herself and she was now doing economics. And I was like, You, this thing that you are now doing, if it had been somebody else's need, you wouldn't have even taken a pen to calculate, you would have just done it like that. She was like, Yeah, it's true. Me to have to start thinking about myself small. <laughs> something she needed to buy, she was like, Hey, this one, this one, this one. Like, if somebody had come and said, This 700 cities, I need it for something, you wouldn't have talked twice. But it's a level of spiritual maturity that gets you to be able to do that. Why you don't think about yourself and you live a selfless life? You sacrifice your own comforts for other people. May, may God give you that grace. Number eight, handling your haters with maturity. Yes, it means you are growing. Those who hate you, you handle them with maturity. Not cursing them. Now we think a show of spiritual power is your ability to curse. Well, is it no me or or me or whatever? We believe that shows that oh, we have matured, we are gurus. Handling your haters with maturity, and the scripture says, Blessing those who curse you. <laughs> those who speak evil of you you bless them oh may the lord bless you i have one friend a pastor one pastor was leaving and the guy started insulting him and you you are this you are this you are this, you are this. and as he was talking all he said was may the lord bless you may the lord bless you. the guy was talking may the lord bless you may the lord bless you that's spiritual maturity somebody who has ordained you somebody who has called into your ministry and you're insulting him like that another person would have opened his mouth and cursed him and maybe the case would have worked because it will have a basis. But he blessed him. That is spiritual maturity. It's not always that we, we show spiritual levels and gimmicks by hey, calling thunder and calling lightning. When Jesus' disciples went to Samaria and they rejected them, spirit of vain glory. They came and said, Master, shall we call down fire? Like Elijah did. Jesus said, What are you talking about? Elijah, need break to move. You don't know the spirit you are made of. You are not, it's not the spirit of Elijah we are following. It's the spirit of Christ, which is the spirit of compassion, which is the spirit of forgiveness. Hallelujah. Number nine. The ability to celebrate what God is doing in other people's lives. Including those who have the things that you are hoping for that you have not had yet. If you and your friend, both of you have been trusting God. For a beloved, you have been fasting, you have been praying, you have been going to mountains, making declarations, sowing seeds, and suddenly your friend comes and tells you, My breakthrough has come. <laughs> if even worse still, the boy you were eyeing decides that he likes your friend rather. all of you, you have been gnashing, you have been chewing and you are both praying and you like some guy but you've not been able to tell your friend and then one day she comes and she's smiling oh sister God has answered my prayer oh really what is it he said look at the text message brother So, brother what suddenly depression Sleepless nights. Yeah, brother Moses says he likes me. He has been calling all of us to church in the morning. While you were eyeing him and you you couldn't say it. And he decided that he was going somewhere else. You, You have depression. If you can be genuinely happy for your friend, it means you have grown spiritually. You have matured. For me, that is a stronger sign of spiritual maturity than being able to raise the dead. You see, the fruits of the Spirit are a clearer distinction between those who are mature and those who are not mature than even the gifts of the Spirit. You know Satan can replicate the gifts of the Spirit. He has counterfeits to all of them but satan can never replicate the fruits of the spirit it's impossible satan can't love genuinely satan can not be patient genuinely there's always a, a some underlying something behind at the end of the day so what really shows that we are children of god is not really the gifts but the fruit the ability to walk in the fruit number 10 increasing in compassion increasing in compassion if you're a man of god and you don't have compassion i don't know I don't know who called you into ministry. Because Jesus was a man of compassion. There are times his gift of healing was even stirred out by compassion. He saw people and he had compassion on them. When you have compassion, it's a sign that you are growing. There are some people, they are not compassionate at all. They don't feel for anybody. It's just about them, 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 them. Sometimes somebody is telling you a problem and they are telling you with the tone that it's like help me they can't say it directly have you seen some before it's like they're telling you the thing it's like help you have seen that the person is trying to say help me but you have done as if you can't hear because you don't have any compassion and sometimes when you don't have the compassion you can't even sense that the person is in need because you are not empathetic but may the lord give you the spirit of compassion may the lord give you the spirit of compassion today i want you to pray a certain prayer there's a need for you to grow spiritually in your gift whatever God has called you to do you can't remain the same a year from this time you shouldn't be the same some value must have been added to your life some value must have been added to your ministry if you are not serving in the house of the Lord in any way repent today and find a place and start serving if there is no purpose to your life, my prayer for you is that God will open your eyes, open your ears, and show you your purpose because when you have a purpose, it's easier for you to grow. It's easier for you to be focused when it comes to growth. Just lift up your voice as you are sitting down and begin to pray. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Lift up your voice. Say, Lord, give me the appetite that will drive my spiritual growth. Many of you are are not reading books. You You are not listening to preachings. You are not hungry enough. May every form of spiritual anorexia be healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. Just lift up your voice and pray. Talk to God. Talk to God. Talk to God. Lord, may I see the signs of spiritual growth in my life. In the name of Jesus You have been too stagnant The same scriptures you knew some time ago Are the scriptures you know Nothing has been added to it You are not deeper in any way In your knowledge of God In your experiences with God You want to pray the Lord I want to have deeper experiences with you I want to have deeper encounters with you There are some encounters when you have with God You can never backslide in your
0: life They become a reference
1: point in your life You can never doubt God again we want to pray the Lord, give me a vivid experience of you. Give me a vivid encounter. When you have those things, when people say things to confuse you and and, 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 and to cause you to, to lose your faith, nothing moves you. Supernatural encounters. Sometimes God can give you a miracle. God can give you a testimony. That can never be doubted by anybody. We want to pray the Lord, take me to those deeper depths. Take me to those higher
0: heights. In the
1: name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God, shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this word. I pray in the name of Jesus that this word will be cemented deep down in our spirits. That at the end of a day, we shall be doers of it. Father, I pray for anybody under the sound of my voice who is suffering from spiritual anorexia, a lack of hunger, hunger for the word, hunger for prayer. Today, in the name of Jesus, we command every form of anorexia to leave their spirits in the name of Jesus. Let it be replaced by an unquenchable thirst and an unquenchable hunger. Hunger for your word, hunger for your presence, hunger for your gifting, hunger for your power, hunger for supernatural encounters. Father, I pray that you usher people into the realm of supernatural encounters where they will experience you at deeper depths, at higher heights. Give somebody a reference point this week of oh God in their faith. If there's anybody whose faith is wavering, give that person a reference point in this coming week. Reveal yourself to that person in a special way, in a dream, in a vision, in a trance. Let somebody have an encounter he or she has never had before. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the son of the living God. We thank you for your word. We give you glory. We give you praise. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. In Jesus' most excellent name have we prayed with thanksgiving. Amen. We trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250. Or on our Facebook page, the Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed. Overflow.
0: Overflow. Summer overflow. 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 When